Hello, dear listener. Thank you for downloading and listening to the Spooky Doings podcast. My name is Rick Guzman. I'm an improv comedian from New York who still cannot improvise as we are still balls deep in the coronavirus. No matter what people at the beach tell you, um, uh, have fun not breathing well because you want it to go where sand meets dirt. I am joy, or sand meets water, rather. Yeah, I should have Chelsea edit that, but I'm not gonna. I fucked up that joke, and I own it. (laughs) Own it. (laughs) Joining us once again is uh, the right-hand lady, the Alabama enforcer, the sorceress of the beeps, the boops, the buttons, the blips, the bobs, and making that wonderful music at the beginning and the end of this podcast is Chelsea Bennington. How are you, Chelsea? I am great. I am energized, and I... I, my legs are still very sore because I went hiking um, when I went on a day trip Friday, and I I don't understand why my calves are sore because I'm a runner, but for some reason hiking is just different, and I'm feeling it. So I'm I'm like the bottom half of my body is exhausted, but the top half is ready to fight God. Like I'm just ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> that is my that is my. <laughs> That's my feelings right now. (laughs) To our listeners, Chelsea is ready to fucking rumble. I'm ready to rumble, ready to go. uh, And uh, I think the first person you can fight is Michael Buffer, who I think has trademarked that phrase. So if he comes after us for about like 78 cents, just because we said it without his added inflection on it, Chelsea might punch him in the face. Was it ready to fight God that he... But ready to rumble. Ready I to said rumble. Ready to oh, okay. I, yeah, so I heard you say. Oh, okay. So now <laughs> twice. What's seventy-eight cents times two? Uh, too much money. No, that's, two, that's two punches <laughs> in the face <laughs> from Chelsea Bennington. I will take any copyright uh, person who wants to come after me. <laughs> but today we're doing a, a I'd say another tutorial because yeah. I noticed uh, a movie came on Shutter for all the free uh, publicity we give Shutter. Uh, a film that came out in 99, was it? I believe it was 99. Let me double check, but it had to have been. Yes. I don't really like the first time, but I know Chelsea loves this movie. So when it became known to me that it's on Shutter and we're in the quarantine and I've got free time, uh, even though productions are starting to kind of plan to resume, I don't know how they're going to do it safely. And I don't know when I'm going to get a call, but Still watching movies. We are up to, as of this recording, 400 and I want to say 86 films. Yeah, I thought you were in the 70s or 80s. 487 films as of this morning. Uh, That movie that we're talking about, as you can see from the podcast feed, is Jawbreaker. Yes. I, I first saw Jawbreaker when I was in middle school. Um, because it used to come on FX all the time. Um, so the first time, the first couple of times I'd seen Jawbreaker, I'd seen it edited, which, you know, is, it's Not a fun. weird movie to edit, you know? It's one of those that they obviously weren't thinking about that as they should it when making movies. And um, I remember I watched it a few times on FX. I loved it. I recorded it like on a VHS tape. I had one of my friends watch it when she came over. She hated it. I was like, oh, this is not a movie you show friends. I learned at like 12 or 13. And um, this is is one to keep within the. Yeah, it was like, oh, wow, other middle school kids may not like this in Bible Belt, Alabama. And um, so I remember I rented it at the movie store near our house so that I could watch it unedited. And I still really loved it. There were definitely things that, you know, because at 12, I was still relatively sheltered, which is surprising because of the movies I did watch. Mm -hmm. But I think I would just take that information in the movies and just not really process it. I would take it at face value, whatever they were saying. So there were definitely things that didn't come to mind until I was older, until my more teenage years. And, um, yeah, I still love it. I rewatched it um, when it went on Shutter, and it's still so fun. But it's one of those movies where I really can't blame people when they say they don't like it because it's just so fucking weird. Like it's just a weird teen movie. Very, very. Now, this friend of yours that you showed it that didn't like it, 
Did you ever ask them if they didn't like it because they were afraid that you were going to attempt to abduct them on their birthday, shove a jawbreaker in their mouth, duct tape their mouth shut, put them in a trunk, and then take them for motherfucking pancakes? Because everything uh, except the pancakes sounds horrible. I thought a jawbreaker would be funny. I think I think if you're going to abduct a friend to take them for pancakes on their birthday, none of the other stuff is necessary. I know, especially like a young woman. Like, it looks like she's, it's crazy. But um, no, I actually remember the part that she, that she really hated. And I don't blame her for hating it. But, um, you know, and this is a trigger warning for anyone uh who doesn't want to listen to something about eating disorders, just skip for like a minute or two. Um, there's a joke that uh, Courtney Shane, Rose McGowan's character makes at lunch about um, not being like, uh, what was her name? Karen Carpenter? Who was the carpenter um, in the duo, The Carpenters? Because she died of um, an eating disorder, I think. I, I believe that's Karen Carpenter. Yeah, and she made a Karen Carpenter joke and that friend, her mom was like a big fan of the Carpenters or something. I don't know. It was, it was very specific. That part she really hated. And I didn't really know what to say to that. I was like, oh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Again, most of my focus on Carpenters leans towards John. You could probably guess that from this podcast. But that's where I kind of bring my focus to but in watching this for the first time probably since 99 um i liked it better this time so i think going into it at first i was expecting something more in the vein of heathers it's not that clever which this is not um and also similar to when you and i saw once upon a time in hollywood and you kind of got yanked out of the film because there was a fanning playing squeaky from much to my surprise there's more than one fanning but uh, you said that really distracted you i felt that way seeing marilyn manson with a bad mustache and then having to see his vinegar strokes i don't i did not consent to that in advance i i think few people would consent to see uh, marilyn manson's vinegar strokes but that's just mm, gross and weird seeing anything Marilyn Manson is um is not my not my forte. That's okay. I I I don't believe he's uh, uh I know he's got a, a new album coming out. It's produced by Shooter Jennings, who I love. But it's like uh, you you still doing this got a fuck thing? Yeah, it, and he's just it's crazy. And I know him and Rose were uh, engaged at the time, and that was the main reason he even made a cameo in the movie. And yeah, I, I love this movie. I would quote it all the time. One of my Halloween costumes that I always wanted to do was be Courtney Shane. And I was even thinking of doing that this Halloween, but. At, at um, which part of the movie? Uh, either her prom outfit with the wiring in her hair, or um, I love the like dark purple pants and purple blouse. Um, I think it's, I think she's in that towards, not the very beginning of the movie, because I think she's in that red corset look in the beginning of the movie, but I think she wears the purple getup sometime in the middle of the film. I love the costume. I love the color, uh, just the color design of the movie in general, how um, it's very, that's the only part I would compare to Heather's is that it's very uh, specific what each girl is wearing. Mm -hmm. And that's something that Heather's did with colors. And I feel like, uh, jawbreaker did it pretty well here too like neither none of the girls stuck to one color but they definitely stuck to different aesthetics and it was it's, it's a very colorful film for being a very dark comedy mm -hmm. and and that's very interesting to see and regarding uh rose mcgowan's character courtney it, it, it's 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 amazing how quickly she's like okay we need to cover up this murder uh, oh yeah <laughs> like immediately and then like okay if we're going to cover up this murder we now have to make it into a rape and it's like wow we're taking some some pretty big leaps uh yeah fucking psycho but okay um but i think uh rose played it great um and and going back to it now 
seeing like, oh, Rebecca Gayhart's really good. Holy fuck, that's Judy Greer, who I didn't recognize when she was wearing the, the long brown wig at first. Uh, but also seeing, you know, Carol Kane, Pam Greer, who I fucking love. She's so good in the movie. Mm. With the jawbreaker, that whole jawbreaker monologue. <laughs> I love it. Mm-mm, Pam she Greer. slams it on the table. That's just, that's a scene that stays with me. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> Could have lived with more Pam Greer, but that's me. Oh. Um, Julie Benz is in it. And uh, I loved her scene with Jeff Conaway as her dad. <gasps> When he starts singing Tiffany. Because <laughs> here's a guy that, you know, unfortunately succumbed to his drug addiction and was really fucked up. Yeah. But he's pl- but clearly his talent was was there because he's playing such a straight laced square in mm-hmm. this fucking movie that it's like, all right, you 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 got it. And uh now go home. You're your day is done. That's a wrap on Jeff Conway. I I love that you mentioned him because there's it's two wonderful Grease uh, callouts because having him in the film, but also I remember the director um, said that uh, he intentionally cast older actresses uh, to play high schoolers similar to Grease and other um, other teen movies of that time. And I mean that's still the case today on the CW. It's always people that are in their twenties that are cast. But um, I love that the other Grease call out was having Jeff play the dad. And I, I could have even done with two more scenes of him, like just something because I thought him and how, how him and Julie Benz would interact with each other and how embarrassed she was by him was just very funny. It was they, very also, funny. they also could have put her, him in a scene with Carol Kane and had like a mini taxi reunion. Oh yeah. And you could, there could have easily been like a parent council uh, scene where um, you know Carol Kane sees the sees the girl's parents because I think the only parents we see, um, I think we see Rebecca Gayhart's parent or mom at one point, if I remember correctly. Um, I, I think maybe two scenes. What what? Yeah. Seemed odd to me is her face was mostly in shadow, and I wondered if that was a deliberate thing to not give that mom much of. Or any kind of real identity, like just, just, meh. Like, yeah, because like, 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 uh, like the adults in the Peanut cartoons, you know, being, you know, you hear the trombone of them speaking. Um, yeah, I, you're right. It is really in shadow. That's why I can't. I remember that scene of her hugging her, like near the pool or something, but. And, and then with Courtney Shane's parents, um, you don't, I mean, you don't see them at all. I mean, God, I wonder if she has parents. She may have killed her parents. She is so crazy. But going back to your comment about it's, it's insane how quickly Courtney Shane was like, all right, we're going to frame this as a murder. And, oh, I have an idea. We're going to make sure that there's DNA in her bed of this, you know, it's so calculated. Um, and Rose McGowan plays it beautifully. And I think this is a good time for me to give a tiny disclaimer <laughs> on my current feelings of Rose McGowan. Because I, I texted Rick um, yesterday, I believe, and I said, I have feelings about Rose McGowan and I have to let them out. <laughs> because, By all means. Yeah, because it, um, it's, it's funny that it happened this weekend um, when we were going to be talking about Jawbreaker. But... Um, I adored Rose McGowan. She was one of my favorite actresses. I loved her, you know, of course in Jawbreaker. I loved her in Planet Terror. She was my favorite sister um, on Charmed after uh, Shannon Doherty left. Um, So I really liked her a lot. And then when everything came out the past several years, um, when she outed, you know, Weinstein and really put a fire or started a fire there and was so brave to do what she was doing um not no pun intended i know brave is her brand um but the, I, I i love that book yeah and it was a good book and i was uh i was just so proud of her i was so in awe of her um i would forgive the missteps that she was making even though they weren't it wasn't for me to forgive 
Um, so I should take that back. I, I can't say I forgave them when I wasn't the one being um, insulted. But she would go after, you know, people in the LGBTQ community, women of color, and um, then she would kind of try to backpedal that she does support black women and she does support, you know, trans women. Um, but her comments and actions would say otherwise. There was, a, people may remember the Barnes and Noble incident in New York a couple of years ago where she screamed and shouted at, um, uh, I believe it was a trans woman um, who was asking her about her support. And this is the Rose, Rose just it. went off. It was really bad. And I was chalking it up to, you know, this woman's been through the ringer. She has been assaulted several times. Um, She's been blacklisted by Hollywood. I would just keep finding ways to excuse it. And um, she even did an interview with one of my favorite com comedians, uh, Z-Way, a few weeks ago, where um, I was actually really proud of, you know, the things she was saying, how, art how articulate she was being. Um, it looked like she had grown quite a bit. And then... <laughs> this past weekend is when I had to say goodbye and unfollow her on Twitter and Instagram because um, some people may know Rose no longer lives in the U.S. and she said she'll never come back to the U.S. I believe she lives in Mexico and she went on Twitter talking about um, how the Democrats, the Democratic Party has done nothing for, for the Black community, for LGBT community, for the poor community. Um, Joe Biden is a monster and a fraud and a lie. The DNC is a lie and you voting for them is supporting that lie. Um, it's no better than voting for Trump. And that gave a lot of right-wing people fuel to be like, look, even Trump hating Rose McGowan says the DNC is a lie. And um, then Rose McGowan was saying things like, uh, you need to fight for what you believe in, vote for third party, blah, blah, blah. And it's just, it really angered me because first of all, check your privilege. You're not in the USA right now. You had the, the wealth and the means to leave and live a comfortable life in another country. Good for you. But there are people fighting for their lives every single day. And yes, no, a lot of people are not happy that it's Biden. I'm not happy that it's Biden. I'm still voting for him, but I'm not gonna be smiling about it. Because if we have another four years of Trump, people will continue to die and people will continue to suffer and this country will continue to be demolished. And it's just really unfortunate that she has to bring her own brand into it of being brave and you know, outing the, the abusers. And, and I want to understand, I really want to understand and sympathize with her but it's just really gotten to the point where I'm like you are really putting people at danger because now you gave right-wing people um someone else to put on a pedestal um as you know listen to her she's telling the truth and the DNC is a fraud and so that was that was my last straw with her I, um you know maybe that'll change maybe she'll continue hopefully she'll continue to grow and she'll realize the privilege she's speaking behind and the mistake she's making but this is a case where I will separate the art from the artist and I will still love Jawbreaker, but I just wanted to put that out there because of the timing. <laughs> no, no, by all means, and, and, and this is a safe place we discuss our things. We have some unpopular opinions. We'll get into unpopular opinions a little deeper in a future episode. Now, under normal circumstances, Chelsea, here's where I would play devil's advocate. But with the state of the world and America at this mo moment, now is not the time for anybody to play devil's advocate. I'll play devil's advocate in January when hopefully there is a new president inaugurated. And then I'll say how I could see some point. Now's not the fucking time. We, yeah. we got bigger work to do. There are people dying. There are yes, people dying. Exactly. Exactly. So, so let, let's all come together, handle this single issue. And then we can continue doing bigger work and then focus on uh, little nitpickier things like that. And now, 
back to the movie. Back to the movie. <laughs> Thank you for this commercial break. Um. No, hey, we, we, we got this platform we can rant on and everybody already knows uh, my opinion politically. Uh, now that you've scorched the earth and now they know your opinion politically. <laughs> and you know what? That's great. And if it offends any of our listeners out there, I'm not sorry. I'm not either. Good God. <laughs> But yes, back to the movie. So I, I, I think luckily the horror community is uh, far more tolerant of a lot of things. Uh, but you know, it, it, the few that aren't, fuck them directly in the neck. <laughs> hey. But um, yes, uh, back to the movie. One thing um, I found weird mm-hmm. is 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 the quick. Uh, back to Courtney's character quick to like all right let's cover up this murder quick to let's uh frame a stranger for rape I'm wondering if that's definitely coming from a male writer director because like that that I I don't think uh, a, a non-fictional female would go to that quick of a jump uh in my opinion what do you think about that um the only reason I'll, I, I agree with you about being really quick to do it is very weird, but as people may know from an earlier, very early uh, podcast episode and um, just the statistics with women and what they watch in general, um, I've watched a lot of true crime and teenage girls can be evil. I mean, teenage boys can too. Teenagers in general can be evil. <laughs> Kids are evil, period. <laughs> and I've I've seen some true crime and um, episodes of you know different things like forensic files and such, and read stuff about what teenagers would do to each other, like framing each other and all all this sort of stuff. Because you know you can go this you can go the psychology route, and it's that their brains are not yet fully developed, and um, you know different things there. Of course, it's hard to look at the teenagers in Jawbreaker and think that their brains are not fully developed since they're, since they are older actresses. But I do think, I I do think in general, that is, you know, wow, she came up with that quick. She was ready to go. It's almost like she had in her back pocket. Well, if one of my taking the words right out of my mouth, yeah. yeah. (laughs) If one of my best friends is ever accidentally killed by, let's say me, um here's what I'm gonna do and and she just has it has it already laid out so which could be a very interesting character trait if Courtney Shane has always thought that her shenanigans would get her in trouble and she had this idea or has she done it before you know it's um it's very interesting no I've read comic books my whole life so I tried to come up with Batman style contingency plans for every situation that's not one that I've come up with because uh, my way of abducting a friend uh, is, is much more tame uh, it, it, and, and I'll segue into a story about my dad after this it's usually hey put on shoes and a coat we're going because one of my favorite stories about my dad uh, was there was uh, a haagen opened up in Manhattan. I think it might have been the first one at that time. And, you know, he just told everybody, get in the car, we're going for ice cream. Now, there was a Carvel, like, just around the corner. So I was confused as, why are we getting in a car? But then we drove up the block and we got my grandmother, my, my maternal grandmother, who as the sun is setting, is normally getting ready for bed at this time. So she comes out, nightgown, slippers, and a coat, gets in the car, and he doesn't tell any of us where the fuck we're going. And we drive into Manhattan, and he gets us ice cream. And he loved their, you know, macadamia nut fucking ice cream. And he got it, and he was thrilled, and I was happy to be there and get some ice cream. And I thought it was hilarious that, you know, not only that he convinced my grandmother to leave the house at sunset 
but she was, you know, mildly panicked, like, where are we going? What is happening? And then she got her small cup of chocolate ice cream and was eating it with tiny bird-like bites, very, very thrilled at just the completely random insanity of this uh, frozen dairy-treated road trip to nowhere almost. (laughs) (laughs) That's so cute. I don't think I've ever had a family member or friend like fake kidnap me. I did have a couple of friends that um, it wasn't a kidnapping because I was already with them willingly Mm -hmm. and it was my birthday and it was like my junior, senior year of high school and they did blindfold me and um, to surprise me at what restaurant they were taking me to, even though we were in Gadsden, Alabama, and there's maybe like five restaurants. So I mean, it's not going to be a surprise where we go. But I thought it was really funny because they really sucked at leading me. And um, I got knocked into um, a wall a couple of times. Bouncing off walls, doors. Yeah, they just weren't good at like, like columns uh, that were outside the restaurant. They were just like, they were telling me, they were like, well, go left. And I'm like, I, what? <laughs> like, oh, I you're going to be bruised before this is over. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the before only. This even begins. Exactly. I walk into the restaurant with a welt like on my head, but it, it was very funny. It is a, it is a cute, maybe problematic thing to do to your friends. Just don't shove a jawbreaker in their mouth. I just don't. I love that the excuse and that there's never any other excuse in the movie is just Courtney at the beginning of the movie saying, I thought a jawbreaker would be funny. Never anything else. And I just love that. I love that it's just such a stupid, stupid premise that that's the only line you get. I thought a jawbreaker would be funny. (laughs) No explanation of like, you know, I saw the ball gag scene in Pulp Fiction and thought, you know, hey, but we're teenagers. We can't go get ball gags. Not till we're fully grown, you know, adults. Can you get a ball gag? So what did you think of Fern, a.k.a. Violet? Before I answer that question, I'm just going to say one more time. Ball, ball gag. gag. <laughs> you forget how fucking great Judy Greer is. Because I'm used so to seeing her. Uh, or in the case of Archer, hearing her in comedic roles, and she's fantastic. I think the first time I really paid attention to her was in Arrested Development as uh, as uh, Mr. Bluth's fucking secretary that he was having an affair with, and she'd yell out, spring break, woo! And, uh, and I love her most in Archer and constantly quote her character like you're not my supervisor just flying off the fucking handle and she's great in so many things most recently uh good boy on hulu but in this you know from her playing like this mousy wide-eyed character uh and seeing her that young and i'm like you know what she should have been in that first Carrie remake, not the one with uh, Chloe Moretz, the one that they did for TV. Oh yeah, and then did... there was like Carrie Part Two, The Rage or something. Yeah. I forgot no, what it was called. It's something. Yeah, like that. that that was it. But oh. yeah, the the TV one when ABC was redoing all of Stephen King's shit closer to the book, but without all the cuss words. I'm like, she would have been fucking great in that. And then having her transform into Violet, like, okay, now she's blonde. Now I recognize that. And and very colorful, super skinny, and and not to you know like make it weird. I'm also a little bit disturbed by the conversation of like we're the popular girls. We don't eat in public. We don't have eating disorders. We eat. We just don't want anyone to see us. And in certain schools, I'm like, yeah, I can get if the food is gross. But you know, she's got a brown paper bag. What whatever the fuck's in it, let her have a snack. She's hungry. She might have a grumbly tummy. Violet can eat. And, and, and one thing I'm weird about as well, just because, you know, now I'm in my 40s, that thing in high school movies where being popular is the most important thing. And maybe this is because I went to Catholic school. I'm like, I don't understand that reality. 
It's, it's very different. I mean, that was it. When I was in high school, being popular wasn't the most important thing, but being liked was very important. And that's essentially kind of the same thing. I mean, in a lot of movies, popularity is associated with jealousy and you actually hate that person, Mm -hmm. but they're still well known. Um, I think for some people that is definitely a reality. And, um, I do think, and I could be wrong because, you know, I'm 28. I haven't been to high school in a bit, but I'd like to think that that, uh, yeah, that is d- dissolving a little bit, but I, hope, I don't know. I, don't I know. hope so. I hope because that trope that definitely started in teen movies in the 80s uh, seemed to go on for 20 years. And then seeing something like Book Smart more recently, I'm like, I hope that's closer to what high school is like now with a bunch of, you know, uh, depending on where you live, a whole bunch of different diverse kids just going mm-hmm. to school together. And hopefully nobody's got real problems with each other. But, you know, I don't know, because I don't like to hang around kids. I got a niece, <laughs> I got a nephew. Uh, I don't talk to them about school. I talk to them about them. Because, you know, I didn't like school when I was in it. I didn't like kids when I was one. But, you know, they're all right. I always loved um, Fern or Violet, whichever you want to call her. Um, I always loved Fern's obsession with Liz and the, mm-hmm. the mole, uh, the mole pattern on Liz's, uh, the back of Liz's neck and how she would see different animal shapes mm-hmm. in it. Oh my gosh. I thought that was such an interesting teenage crush obsession. That, that was a cool thing. And I'm like, okay, so is Fern into girls? Is she bi? Is that, are we exploring that? Can we deal with that a little bit more? head on but I'm guessing in 99 you didn't want to like just lay it out on the table quite like that yeah because they could have done something very interesting and and, I mean it probably would have ended up being a different movie and um but what they could have done because I definitely I mean my my head canon is Fern was by because you know she's seen liking and making out with boys but she obviously was in love with Liz that's Mm -hmm. that's obvious um I, I did I did like how Liz was kind of a specter haunting Fern throughout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it showed that Fern had, you know, had a conscience basically. But I think it'd be interesting if like when they turned her into Violet, um, if Violet was trying to be like Liz. Again, that would have been a different movie. But uh because she was so obsessed with her, it would be interesting to see her wanting to become Liz but at the same time Liz was obviously as you could see from the flashback with Fern she was the nicer one of the group like helping Liz with Mm -hmm. her books and you know probably um probably other kind things that she's done I mean there was a reason um Rebecca Gayhart's character whose name escapes me it's uh Julie Julie is her name um it's interesting because Julie is obviously one that is has a little bit of a conscience there too. And um, with Liz not being in that group anymore, it's really just Julie because Marcy's just going to do whatever Marcy wants to do. Well, no, whatever Courtney wants to do is what Marcy mm-hmm. will do. And I did love that scene where Marcy, or not Marcy, where Courtney basically made Marcy bleed like she really hurt her face. And I thought that was so interesting that they showed that side of Courtney. Um, Yeah, there's just little tidbits of the movie where I'm like, God, we really could have gone further into this. It just would have been a longer movie. One shot that that really sticks out to me that I loved, because watching it this second time now, it really set the tone for the dark comedy where the, the the three gals are bringing Liz in back into her house, her corpse. And so you mostly see their reflection in the pool water and at the top of the screen or their heels and they're taking these tiny mincy, like almost, you know, Abbott and Costello or cartoon character, like steps of like, we are sneaking the, the, the tiptoeing that's, uh, that I mostly associate with like Bugs Bunny 
or or someone you know trying to sneak into a place that that just amused the shit out of me when when i saw it <laughs> yeah one of my favorite uh one of my favorite scenes is um and i think it's because of the music choice uh what's the song called let the good times roll um when that plays when they're trying to drag liz back in the house it's just I, I do love the music choices in this movie. I mean, I love Veruca Salt as a band anyway, so having them in the main titles is already going to get my attention. Speaking of the music, I mean, you know, like, uh, while I wasn't a fan, it's pretty fucking cool if you got the Donnas playing your prom. I know. I, for, I always forget that the Donnas play the prom until that until we get you, to that. Yeah, I just always forget. And I even had the soundtrack because um, I, I remember buying it. Um, at FYE, which I don't even know if that store exists anymore, but I remember buying it in middle school and loving that soundtrack and the, and the two Donna songs. I think there were three Donna songs, um, but that's very cool. I love 90s prom scenes, and what I loved about this one in particular is that they had an impressive band, yet the prom still looked pretty cheap and shitty. I feel like a lot of, even though I love 90s teen prom scenes, like I love the prom scene and she's all that because it's ridiculous. It's just so crazy. I love the prom scene and, you know, the show Buffy and um, always love a good prom scene. 10 things I hate about you. Their prom must have been like $10 million. It's insane. This is me having no idea how money works, but it's <laughs> expensive. <laughs> this is this is me smiling politely as you reference scenes to movies that I have never watched. You've never watched Ten Things I Hate About You? It's so good. I have not. Oh, so good. But anyway. Um Is there karate in it? There's fighting. That uh, doesn't count. Did anybody get naked? Uh it's PG thirteen. There's a flashing scene, so you don't see what's going on. Do monsters show up? I mean, it's pre-Joker Heath Ledger. So, so that, that explains why I haven't seen it. <laughs> and, um, but anyway, uh, so I you, do love... Add some breasts and karate, then I'm there. <laughs> but I do love 90s prom scenes. And what I loved about this one was, again, it was just, I was like, wow, they got the Donnas, which, I mean, probably wasn't the biggest flex in 99, but it's still pretty interesting. Um, but the prom itself just looked very small and very cheap, but still very fun, and I appreciated that. Yeah, a, 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 a lot of respect, because as far as all ladies' bands at the time, you know, they, they're, they're the one, until, like, Kitty came out a year later or so. Mm, no. Yeah, see, this is me not knowing how popular the Donnas were in 99. No, uh, Kitty was, at, they put their first album out around that time, I think. Anyway. I saw a documentary about them recently. I'm like, oh yeah, they were a thing, and they had a story. Uh, interesting. I'm, I'm, I try to support, you know, lady voices in rock where I can. But, I do uh, love the Donnas. Another thing that made it weird to me, it's like, all right, we have now decided as a collective with the drama boy to take Courtney down. Not to get her arrested, just to make her less popular. And that's the end of the book. I know. I, I do love that it didn't end with her getting arrested. I think because you can naturally assume that's the next step, that the girls are, that Marcy is probably going to pop um, like a balloon and she's going to let it all, um, let everything out. Because you saw how scared she was. She was hiding under um, a, one of the tables. Um, it, it, so it's obvious they're all going to confess. Julie's going to have to, like with this plan to take her down, there's no way you can not tell the police what's going on. Mm -hmm. um, I, I love, God, the birthday card confession is so stupid, but it works for this movie. It's just so funny that the birthday card recorded that exact line, but it's an iconic line. I killed Liz. I killed the team dream. Deal with it. And just to have that play over and over and for everyone to just, I love that the whole student body realized, you know, hey, she did it. Like, it's in it, slow motion. It, 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 it took him a minute. It took him a minute to get to it. It did take him a minute. It did take him a minute. But it it's, was just, I love that. Not, it doesn't have the sudden impact of a bucket of pig's blood from the rafters. That's true. That is true. But I did love that, like, the, 
instead of throwing tomatoes, it's throwing um, the, the, what do you call it? Like the a corsage at them. And um, how Courtney's like hair started messing up. She was smearing her makeup. And you just have uh, Julie with Rebecca Gayhart's expressive face saying, eat shit and giving her, blowing her a kiss. Like that's wonderful. I love Rebecca Gayhart's face. I <laughs> love her face. She has such a unique expressive face. It worked so well in Urban Legend. She was my favorite part of Urban Legend. I just watched that again recently. It holds up. It holds up. I mean, I could have done without the dog in the microwave, you know? Could have done without that. You, you, but you it's so got that stupid. sensitivity about the, the pets being, as you should. I don't that think you're puppy wrong. puppy did nothing. That puppy didn't do yeah. anything. I, I, I don't think we need to kill the pets uh, so much in the horror movie. And that was one of the, the, the best things about the rental, which I've raved about. It's been, in my opinion, the best movie I've seen in 2020. Granted, the pool is much smaller than it would have been without the coronavirus. But the fact that the dog shows up towards the end of the movie, it's like, hey, all right, we're good. Because, yeah, you don't, you don't need that. You don't need uh, yet it's another. It's become a trope, you know? Very much so. so kill the people, sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, you kill the dog, nah. Yeah, it's become such a haunted house trope, too, because I feel like every haunted house movie, if there's a family pet, that pet's gonna die as a as a first sign that something's mm -hmm. wrong with the house. And I'm like, can you do something else? Like, I realize now that the dogs or the cat's gonna die because I mean, I I applaud the lodge for doing it differently. Like, I mean, it was still very tragic, but luckily that dog looked very fake. Um, but yeah, that's just and that's another thing. Maybe that'll be in um, an unpopular opinions uh, episode, but. Yeah, there's, um, I do love the end of this movie. I believe it ends with Pam Greer, um, a, a line from Pam Greer and Violet um, about in high school. I can't remember the last line. Oh, gosh. The, when I got to it, it was po the Polaroid of Rose McGowan in the yearbook, all crying, and then the credits rolled, and then I stopped there. Should I have, like, No, there's, there's narration over that. I, I, I stopped right there. So I, I must have missed something. You stopped it like immediately at the Polaroid? Because there's lines during the Polaroid is what I'm saying. I did not catch those lines. Oh, okay. Um, it's something about high school. I can't remember it. Maybe, maybe go back for those two seconds just to see. But um, yeah, I liked that it ended that way. It, it's an abrupt ending, but it was already so unrealistic how mm -hmm. the case was being handled anyway that I wasn't really interested in seeing like, oh, suddenly the cops bust in or Pam Greer. Well, I would actually love to see Pam Greer kick the door down of a prom that's going on um, I, to arrest I, somebody. I, I, <laughs> I changed my mind in the middle of that sentence. I was like, no, wait, actually, I would like to see her do that. Any <laughs> opportunity to see more Pam Greer is welcome in my mind. However, and this might just be me putting a 2020 lens on it, I could see Courtney's character then using her psychopathy to frame Pam Greer uh, for wrongdoing. Even though she is a cop, she is an African-American woman. And I could see Courtney getting away with that somehow anyway. Yeah, no, I see that too. Um, Am I jaded? <laughs> Yes, I am. <laughs> but I mean, how can we not be in this day and age? But I think one thing I love about Jawbreaker is that it's definitely becoming, it, or already became more of a cult classic. It had its 20th anniversary last year in 2019. And I follow the writer and director, Darren Stein, or Darren Steen, sorry, I can't remember how to pronounce your last name. But um, he, uh, seems to still be doing extremely well and keeps in touch with the cast. And he always posts um, behind the scenes photos, which are really fun. Um, so I, I'm glad that the movie is much appreciated now for what it is. I, I definitely wouldn't call it, it's not the best teen movie of the 90s. It's not even the best teen dark comedy of that time. Like it's just such a fun film and it's, it's got all the ingredients to be a cult classic. Um, I am also very happy that it's one of the only 
films that Rose McGowan doesn't regret doing. So it's one that I don't feel bad watching knowing that she was like in pain during a lot of what she was filming, but she still mm-hmm. holds Jawbreaker to much high regard um, and stays in touch with uh, Darren and I believe some of the cast. Uh, Again, like I, I said, it. now's not the time when I'm going to play devil's advocate. We can revisit later. <laughs> what would you be devil's advocate with that though for? Very briefly, without getting into it, I can understand when sometimes you're just so angry, you want to watch everything burn. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I mean... I don't, I don't think it's right in this situation, at right. this time uh, of our existence. Like, come on, girl. Like, we, mm-hmm. we can get back to that later. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta save your fellows first. You're you gonna be all right. Not everybody you. Exactly. Exactly. No, that's fair. That's fair. No, I thought you meant you were going to be devil's advocate about Rose McGowan liking this movie. That's what I was confused about. No, no, no. Because you said it during that line. Um, uh, but let, let's 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 go down this road a little. But I'm not playing devil's advocate. Reading her book, uh, I, I I felt really bad for a lot of the life that 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 she lived. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of things outside of her control that victimized her and dehumanized her and really related in a lot of, in the early chapters of her growing up in a cult, because I saw a lot of similarities, not on the same level, but certainly parallel to me going to Catholic school and being raised Catholic and mm-hmm. being uh, treated similarly. And I'm like, oh, I get, this sounds so fucking familiar to me. Uh, so in that, I have a lot of sympathy for her, but you know, like, now, 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 now ain't the time. I, I get where you're coming from because I've been that pissed. Yeah. Now, now ain't the time. And absolutely. And when I say these things about Rose, my sympathy for her and my respect for what she has done isn't going away. Mm-hmm. I just can't have that toxic, selfish behavior on yeah. my feet anymore. Uh, um, if, if, if you were her, her personal friend, you'd be like giving her a little elbow oh, yeah. in the ribs and kind of like making the the cutthroat sign at your neck exactly going, mm, like i know and we all need friends like that who like you know kind of like tug at our at our at our shirt sleeve in my case it would be a flannel and go like mm, hang back a little bit <laughs> like, wait a minute wait a minute my man yeah <laughs> and when you don't have those friends to look out for you from doing something yeah. really fucking stupid um, a foreign government may put you into 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue as their own personal useful idiot. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey. <laughs> but no, it's so with Jawbreaker, but yeah, that's one thing I love is that it is still a movie that she adores. It, it is. It is still a movie. <laughs> it is still a film. Um, but no, uh, that it's one that she looks back on uh, with positivity, which is great because it is a good film and it, it showcases her talents very well um, as an actress. And yeah, it's just, it's just such a fun movie. You take it for what it is. It does make some offensive jokes. It, it does, the, the more I watch it, the more the, the, <laughs> the whole, um, what's the word? Why can't, framing, um, the framing, um, the innocent man, even though Marilyn Manson mm. is by no means innocent of oh, sexual he's done assault. Some shit. Yeah, well, it's funny that he is an innocent man framed for sexual assault in this film when he's a when Marilyn Manson in real life is a serial rapist and abuser. So that's that's irony for you. For um, the sake of our podcast alone, I'm just going to throw allegedly into there. But I've heard stories from people uh, on set that it's like. Oh, he's a bastard. <laughs> I will say it's not really alleged when a Evan Rachel Wood gave a testimony. Uh, for the sake of me not wanting to get sued, I'm going to say alleged, <laughs> and I signed whatever Rachel Wood because she was in The Wrestler, and he <laughs> was not. So so Rick says alleged, and that's fine. But um, you can hey, come after me. I don't care. Uh, again, just being a fan of pro wrestling, there's a wrestler named Cole Cabana who had CM Punk on his podcast, airing his grievances about when he left WWE. And they got very, very sued for telling the truth. And while they were found as, uh, I guess, 
the, the court ruled in their favor, their legal fees were astronomical. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. So don't go after Rick. Go after me. Um, I will happily let that be my legacy. She will fight God. <laughs> yeah, I will happily let that be my legacy <laughs> and how I go down. I now, I will not throw him. allegedly into this next statement. If you went one-on-one -on -one with Marilyn Manson, I got 85 bucks on you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's done. He's done for. <laughs> he has no idea what he's messing with. But, um, but anyway, it, that whole, going back to um, that scene in the film where she's framing him for rape and murder <laughs> it's it is hard to watch it becomes mm. more and more difficult to watch no matter how silly it is yeah, and and watching it the first time that yanked me right out of dark it's film. really dark it was, it was like M marilyn manson's here the way you said you know again in once upon a time in hollywood it's like here's somebody you recognize who's clearly not squeaky from mm -hmm. it's like it, it's I, I don't know what else I can liken it to. Um, I it's guess, a cameo that takes you out. It's just yeah. one of those cameos that takes you out. The closest to reality I can get to is feeling very, very punchy because I was working a, a long shift on uh, the Showtime show Escape from Denimora and we're doing work with, you know, we're we're just putting gigantic chunks of ice into this chipping mechanism to make it look at snow, like it snowed outside of a house. And then cut to more than 12 hours later, we're coming up to the martini shot, the last shot of the night of the exterior. And we have to put like snow on these cars. And me and the other effects person were doing stuff. And I hear a voice on my left say we don't want it to look like the snow is packed in we just want to look as like as it's been dusted a few days ago when the plow came through and i say oh yeah absolutely we're gonna make it look great don't worry about it and but then i look to my left and it's ben stiller and i'm sleepy i'm cold and i'm wondering to myself why is ben stiller here why is Ben Stiller telling me how to do my job and it took significantly longer than it should have for me to realize He's directing. He has every right to tell me how to do my job. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> and Ben Stiller's listening, going, and I do it again. Um, oh, I'm a, I'm, I'll tag him when we post this. I don't think he'll listen to it, but maybe he's got free time. But, um, but yeah, it, it's definitely a cameo that it's one that when I was when I was 12, 13, when I first watched this, that was an era where all of my friends were listening to Marilyn Manson. And so by mm -hmm. association, I was listening to Marilyn Manson. So it was one of those things where I can't even imagine in 1999 where that was really the height of his popularity. Um, what it would be like to watch that movie and be like, Jesus Christ, that's what he looks like, like without makeup. I mean, God, he's such an ugly man. And that's not allegedly, that's just a fact. He so is a guy that all of the accoutrements help uh, his physical appearance, like even the fake breasts on the cover of the mechanical albums, Animal, that helps too. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, you know, it distracts from his face. Like, like, what he looks like hanging around the crib in the quarantine, I don't even want to know. I don't want that image. You take that away. You take that back. I'm burning that sentence. I don't want to think about it. <laughs> but uh, it's definitely, it's a dark, dark plot line. And it's one of those that as a kid, I was just like, oh my God, that's just so crazy. And now, like, Jesus, that is just an issue. I mean, it works in the film. I'm not going to say that the movie could have done mm. without it. I mean, it works. It works sure. with how evil Courtney is. And of course you side, that's the part where you're like, Jesus, Courtney does need to be taken down. Like that mm. is so bad. Yes. That is the part where it's like, okay, it's no longer teenage girls making a mistake and trying to cover it up. That's like, this is some straight villainous shit. Mm-hmm. And, um, it worked. It worked very well for Courtney's character. She was just such a psycho. So it, it just makes the ending all that sweeter. Just watching everyone tear her down. Um, and she looks so great with the mascara. And 
yes it's such a great scene yeah, so, yeah. as far as tutorials go I, I i like hearing you speak so highly of films that maybe i didn't uh enjoy upon watching it but because i respect your opinion uh so much when i come across it on a streaming service i'm like Let, let's do it again and let's talk about it uh, out of curiosity are there any films that you know that that i've spoken highly of that that you could see yourself doing a tutorial about that like exploring again or that i haven't yeah. seen that either exploring again or one that you've disagreed with me on but you're willing to go down that road one more time i'm not saying rob zombie's halloween because i understand your opinions about <laughs> rob zombie i would be so angry if you made me watch i don't want no i don't want you to be angry you i am your friend i would it would be an hour of you just trying to get me to talk because i would just be silent i would be sitting here stewing in anger angry looking at me with your lips pursed like you motherfucker no it wouldn't be that it wouldn't be that. um i'm trying to i'm sure there is why don't why don't we have a live a live scene here of me going on facebook which is a rarity Mm -hmm. um and looking at what you've been watching recently there, there's a lot a lot a lot of music documentaries a few horror things revisited uh for kicks i mean uh, i'm already convinced and this isn't something that i've watched and didn't like but i'm already convinced to watch the danny treo documentary um but i don't know I'm trying to think if there's that that that's fucking brilliant that film uh inmate number one which i love uh and i don't think it's something to to disagree on but exactly. uh, it's, it's wonderful check it out on demand if you haven't seen it it's good oh i would say from hell but i don't want to look at johnny Depp's face for that long understandable it's a longer film. I know. I don't remember. I, I know I've watched that movie, but I can't tell you anything about it. Nothing about it at all. I don't know. I am going to, this is going to have to be a surprise for the audience because on the spot, I am just not sure. I know there has to be something, but I'm just trying to think of something you've really watched that I haven't had much interest in or didn't like before because the you know the Godzilla films are already ones that I am convinced to watch mm -hmm. so I think I'm just gonna have to do some thinking at your leisure we've got time we'll go through them and usually you know when I come across something good you know I'll text you or you'll text me and it's like hey check this out oh and uh, at least rarely we disagree strongly I found. I agree. It is rare. And, and it's always respectful. I don't think there's anything we disagree on that's, such, that's very monumental. It's because always just movie taste that we disagree right. on. <laughs> and, and, and the disagreement is usually just saying, you're an idiot. And I go, that's fine. <laughs> oh, I absolutely hated Piranha 3D. D. Did you like it? Because I hate that movie. Did I hate it? No, was it exactly what I was looking at? I thought it was fine for what I was looking for until David Hasselhoff showed up. Yeah, I don't think I, I could talk about that. I prefer for an hour. Uh, Piranha 3D. Oh, Piranha 3D is so good, and it's not streaming anywhere. I would have to buy it, I can't even rent it off Prime. It was on Stars for a little while. It went away. They it only have away. 3DD now. It went away. That's okay. It makes me so sad because I love Piranha 3D and it's a great summer film. <laughs> See, that, that's how it is. You know, ha have some fishies, uh, have some boobies, and you got a good time. And have Jerry O'Connell have his dick eaten off. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I actually, uh, during the quarantine, watched the original Piranha for the first time. Not bad. Oh, did you like it? Yeah, it's pretty good. Not bad. I haven't seen it in a while, but I, I remember enjoying it. But yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you liked Jawbreaker because it is, I mean, it, it's, it's one of those movies where it is what you're signing up for. Like there's nothing more, there's nothing less. It's a, it's a silly, dark teen comedy 
um, with some camp 80s cameos and bright bubbly aesthetics. And, and that said, um, with a proper invitation, I would gladly uh, go to eat pancakes with any of the principal actresses in that movie. Oh, uh, I would too. Oh, especially Julie Benz. I just I, love Julie Benz. Yeah, you ain't got to put me in the trunk. I'll go willingly. I don't need a jawbreaker. Have you ever successfully eaten a jawbreaker? I have not. I have. <laughs> but I didn't eat it. Like, I mean, I, it, it takes a, you know, there's no way this is not going to sound nasty, but it's like, it's just licking it for a while. Uh -huh. um, what's, what's nasty about that? That sounds very <laughs> friendly to me. But uh, I remember, yeah, I, I've only had really one large jawbreaker. I remember my mom would never let me get them because she just knew it was too much sugar and we weren't going to finish them and it was it's, a waste of money. It's about having the patience mm -hmm. of something sweet in your mouth for maybe longer than you've expected, but you've got to see it through. And your tongue's going to hurt forever. It's just like eating too many sour can candies. It's all right. Because you're putting it to work. As you do, and one of these days, we're going to put our mouths to work on Hot Ones, the game show, and yeah. take home $25,000. You I heard it here it. first. I just finished a bag of Takis earlier. All right. I'll make you a fresh batch of hotter sauce uh, next time I see you. Yay! Uh, we'll pass it to each other with masks. and Wear gloves, just in case. You never know. <laughs> Where funny. can people find you if they want to find you, Miss Bennington, if you're nasty? If um, any... <laughs> any lawsuit uh, mailings for what I said about Marilyn Manson can be sent to my Twitter account, Chelsea Bennington, or my Instagram, which also, if you look up Chelsea Bennington, I'm right there. Um, I will gladly send you a rebuttal. And by rebuttal, she means roundhouse kick to your face. I'm going to tell you where to meet me at 3 p.m. the next day. <laughs> <laughs> you're giving me the flashback of you know teenage puberty like you know you, the shit would just escalate and whoever was the first one to say after school like oh it's on i also don't think this is the first person i've threatened to fight on this podcast i think in the beginning there was someone else you flare up like you're some angry nostrils <laughs> and motherfuckers better duck it's uh, true you can check out Spooky Doings on Instagram, Spooky Doings Improv on Facebook. Uh, right now, it's just information about the podcast. But one of these days, we'll do a show again, and you'll be able to see us around New York City making ha-ha for you uh, after a vaccine happens, maybe. And then there will be hugs, so many hugs, weird hugs, strange hugs, hugs that make you raise your eyebrows, hugs that last too long, hugs that get awkward. <laughs> There is one plug I would like to make, Rick, if you don't mind. I do not mind at all. So our brilliant, brilliant friend from the brilliant, brilliant band, Soraya, has, she has become, well, I mean, I don't think this is anything new, but she has been doing some really amazing horror artwork. I've seen that. Brianna Sig, who's previously been on the podcast, and we're trying to get her back on again for a panel discussion. Yes. Because uh, I wanted her to plug her artwork. You can go to Instagram and check it out under Sig, I believe, underscore Slovenia. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's S-I-G underscore S-Y-L-V-A-N-I-A. Uh, Brianna makes some really, really beautiful artwork of, uh, she had, Bella Lugosi, mm -hmm. Vampira, Nosferatu, some really cool stuff. Um, and Which, also the, what's that? Sig the Clown. Yes. I couldn't remember his name. Right. Uh, Captain Spaulding. Yeah. She's, uh, she's done a lot of artwork for the band lately. She has, I, I actually won uh, one of her Tom Waits paintings that I love so fucking much. It's so cool. And like I said, we, the, just a little teaser. Uh, sometime in the not too distant future, we want to have uh, uh, a panel discussion uh, regarding slasher movies uh, because we all agree that there's the big three of slashers The Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, and Halloween. And I don't want any of our guests to tell me 
which movie they would add to make it the big four, which franchise they'd add to make it the big four of slashers. I don't want to hear it until we're recording. So just, just ponder that. I mean, I know Chelsea. I think I know what her answer is going to be, but she might surprise me. And Chelsea knows me. She might know what my answer is going to be. And she might call me an idiot for adding this one, but that's okay. We, we, it's a safe space for us to talk about what we want to talk about. And we want you to be here to listen, dear listener, every time we drop a new episode. <laughs> but yeah, I definitely just wanted to give Brianna a plug because I've been so impressed with her artwork lately and it seems very timely. Um, and it's just really cool. So definitely follow her on Instagram and give some support to Soraya as well. Buy yourself a nice piece of artwork. It's there for you. Hang it on your wall. Make your friends feel weird. Have Sid Haig looking at you while you sleep. Or I mean, what else, what else are you going to do? Just sit in your room and look at the artwork. So just get mm-hmm. some good artwork that's going to make you happy. As you should. But until next time, dear listener. And Chelsea, I love you. I love you too. All right. Stay yeah, good. Did. That's me. Stay good. <laughs> Stay healthy. Stay spooky. Peace.